This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. It's been a while since I spoke, a few years, and so uh, this is the culmination of about three years of life and just kind of what the Lord has shared with me and things that I've been learning and challenges we've gone through. Um, so I really encourage you, I'm going to share a lot. I will put it on the web, etc., and you can look at it later. But there are about 12 principles I'm going to share with you. We'll, we'll get out of here on time, so don't, <laughs> don't freak out. It'd be okay. I'm actually pretty fast working in New York for many years. So, um, But to that end, what really God has uh, challenged me in for the last three years was a perspective of living my life from a place of presence, from the presence of the Lord infusing me to then walk it out in whatever environment that God put me in. And so that's really what I want to encourage you about today. We're going to read some scripture and talk through what does it look like in 2020 with everything that's happening in our lives to live from a place of presence. Um, as I was thinking about this, one of the first challenges I received was a perspective of what are the commissions that God has given in the scriptures? You ever thought about it? How many commissions are there, right? There's more than just Matthew 28, which everybody usually knows if you've been in church for a while, of the Great Commission. What was the first commission? So God did give us a roadmap, right? And in Genesis, if you look at it, Genesis chapter 1, 27 and 28, well, I've got it on the, on the screen here if you don't have your Bibles. Um, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay? So before the fall, God created man in his image, and then he gave man this commission, which was to bring his presence into the whole earth. Because as you read through Genesis, the Garden of Eden was where the presence of God was, right? But he said to go subdue it, the earth, to bring my presence outside of the garden to the entire earth. I believe that same commission applies to us today. We are called to bring the kingdom of God into this realm. That's what he's asked us to do. So in many ways, the great commission of go and preach the gospel, right, to every person, teaching them the things that I've taught you, and I'm with you always, right? My power I give to you, that great commission is in the same vein as the first commission. Bring his kingdom into your life. One of the things I learned over the years, the last couple of years, was, you know, you ever met somebody and you just kind of don't hit it off with them? It's just a little awkward, whatever, right? And, and you find yourself, it's easy to be critical of that person, right? It's easy to sort of sense their flaws and, wow, they did this or whatever, whether you're your neighbor, you know, it doesn't matter, right? The reality is this, what God taught me was, why don't you ask me why I created that person? 
What did I put in them? What was in my mind and heart when I created them? And if you ask the Lord to give you a download and say, what are, what are they about, God? Why did you make them? And you begin to see the giftings in them, whether they know Jesus or not. You begin to see what he put them on the earth for. And you know what? It's a lot harder to be critical after that. Right? So as we seek to bring the kingdom of heaven into our realm, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, there's another view of this. This is the Passion Translation. For it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became the life-giving spirit. Once we carried the likeness of the man of dust, but now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. Hmm. And to go on in Romans 8, it says, So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness and clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits them. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Okay, wow, what does that mean? And how does that actually work today? You ever thought about this perspective? Why did Jesus get baptized by John the Baptist? Right? So John was bringing the, the baptism of repentance. He didn't have anything to repent of. So why did he get baptized? Right? Upon his baptism, he was filled with the Holy Spirit beyond measure, right? And so the Bible says that John the Baptist saw, you know, the Holy Spirit as a dove coming and, and staying upon him. So if Jesus was able to live the, his life through the power of the Holy Spirit as a man, yes, he was God, right? But if he did all of his miracles and lived his life as God... I'm impressed, but I'm not challenged. If he lived his life as man, I am challenged to think about what that could look like. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, he lived his life. He walked it out. Okay. Now, if a dove came and sat on your shoulder, and then you wanted it to remain, it said it remained with him. If you wanted that dove to remain with you every day, how would you walk? You would walk with consciousness of the dove at all times, right? Because you want to be in communication with the Father. So it was really this challenge in my life where I, I was going through a season of things, of issues, 
And the Lord said, you need to actually focus your attention on me all the time. You know, in Genesis 1, if you read through the creation, it's kind of interesting that every day started with the night first. You ever notice that? There was evening and morning, first day. Evening, morning, second day, right? I would submit to you what you center your heart on when you're going to sleep will have a huge impact on your next day. And so Bill Johnson, one of the things that I learned from him, was he would talk about that the last thing he did when he was going to sleep is he would center his affection on the Lord. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just, you know, you stop where you're at and you just center your affection on the Lord. God, you are so good. I praise you. I love you. You're so amazing. I begin to recount the thank- thankfulness, right, of the things he's done in your life. And you begin to think through them. We create lists for everything, right? Grocery list, right? Career list, whatever. Have you created a list of just thankfulness? A literal list that you would write down, stop and think of your life, and begin to review in real slow detail the things that you've gone through. And then where was God? Where was he in the middle of that? Whether it was a happy moment or it was a really, really hard moment. Where was he? And you begin, you write those out. And then, you know, you begin to read that list over and over and over again with that spirit of thankfulness to God. That'll change you. So when you center your affection on him, you can do that at any time, right? You're in your office or, you know, you're playing sports. Whatever you're doing, you can center your affection on him. Staying in communication with the consciousness of the Holy Spirit in your life. So Jesus taught us to pray this in Matthew 6. He says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Jesus said, that's what you're supposed to pray. That's what you're supposed to be about. Got it. Thank you. So how do you do that? So as I was thinking about this, I shared with you like the first commission and the second commission, great commission, both focus on bringing the kingdom of God to earth. So what does that look like today? And I would submit to you that it's only from a place of continuous consciousness of the kingdom of God that we can walk through this life with the power that he's established for you. Every single person here, you are very, very unique. And one of the things that uh, I was praying about, and I felt like the Lord challenged me with, is, you know, when I go to see Jesus, obviously there's no tears in heaven, rejoicing, etc., all great. But I also began to think about, what if Jesus said, You know, he's created all of our works before we were born for us to walk in. What if Jesus came and he said, son, you know, welcome home. This is the door in that room. That's all the works I created for you to do. And what if I only enjoyed 10% of that or 1% of that, right? What has God created for you to be about? You are the only person walking through this life with the influences you have, 
and the opportunities you have to bring the kingdom of God into your everyday. The only person. That is special. And I would submit to you that every one of us has a unique calling, a very unique calling to bring the kingdom of God into everyday life. So, what's that look like? These are principles that I've learned over the last three years or so. Some of these we may park on. Candidly, I could probably talk for an hour about each one of these because probably each one of these took two or three months in my life. Um, I'm obviously not going to do that. But, you know, from that perspective, you know, if one or two of these kind of resonates with you, just park on those. So the first principle is this. Worship is the key to presence. He inhabits the praises of his people. So one of the things God challenged me, I'm not a singer, right? That's not my gifting. I'm not musical. I don't play anything. Um, but if the only time I worship the Lord is at church on Sunday morning, or if I'm playing a particular radio station, I like the song, right? I'm missing it. Worship should be daily. And so what I began to do is when I'm in my car, I sing without the radio. Make the song up on your own, right? You sing to the Lord. Sing out of your heart. Thank him. You know, tell him your challenges. But if you sing praises to the Lord, I submit to you, something will change in your spirit. When you connect with God by worshiping him in your own life, there's something unique that takes place. So worship is a key to presence. Secondly, our ability to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit is in direct proportion to how much we believe that God is good. You know, we all see life through a lens, and the lens is our experiences, teaching, you know, kind of how we grew up, the environment we've been in. But do we believe consistently God is good? He's good. Even through the challenges in life, even through the hard parts, he is good because he's going to bring good into my life through this. You know, a challenge is really just an opportunity for me to understand an area of my life that could be closer in line with him. If I look at those challenges through that lens, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this, but what, are you, what do you want to teach me? Because you allowed this to happen in my life what do you want to teach me through it? And if I can actually bring some level of thankfulness, if you can thank God even in the storm, there is a unique breakthrough set up for you. So the goodness of God. Third, a life without options creates power without limits. When we hedge ourselves, and you know what I mean, we all know what I mean, we mean, I mean, that, you know, if, if uh, the illustration I've, I've used earlier was if you took a class in college and you thought it was going to be really hard, right? I don't know if you guys did this or not, but, you know, you got like three or four weeks, you can drop the class and not actually say you ever attended, right? Right? You've done that? Right? I want to sign up for that course, but, eh, you know, I got three weeks. <laughs> the reality is if you hedge your life, you won't have the breakthrough that you would like to see. But when you commit yourself to him and your walk with him, a life without options creates power without limits. 
Um, fourth, when you discover who God has meant you to be, you will never want to be anyone else. Right? So there's always someone else who, you know, either it looks like they have it better or, you know, you wish that you had that situation or whatnot. But when you realize what God has put in you and how he loves you and what he has for you to do, you never want to be anybody else. Right? Because you enjoy walking with him with who he's made you to be. One of the things I thought about was... um, what impressed Jesus? You ever thought about that? What, what, what made Jesus stop and go, hold on, what? Right? So the centurion, he was impressed with his faith. He even said so, right? What? Well, I, don't, I haven't seen faith like that in all of Israel, right? Because he said, oh, you know, just speak the word, it'll be okay, right? You don't have to actually come to my house. He was impressed with the centurion's faith, right? He was impressed with the Seraphonician woman, right? who he said, well, it's not, not time for yet for me to actually do this for you. And she said, but Lord, even the dogs get, you know, the crumbs from the table, right? He was impressed with her passion, that she wasn't offended, right? When you find yourself with offense, stop and ask yourself, ask the Lord to show you, why am I offended at that, right? He was impressed because she would not be offended, He was also very impressed with Mary's love for him to the point that even when he resurrected from the dead, before he went to the Father, he came to see her because she loved him with that deep passion. So God is looking for you in your life. How do you engage with him to see how he wants to bring the kingdom of heaven through you into your daily environment. Uh, Fifth, what becomes your experience becomes your message. More is learned through adventure than through information. I can read a lot of books. I can learn a lot, right? Here's a good example, right? Okay, if I want to be, you know, a certain level of fitness, I can read a fitness book. Well, you know, run three miles a day, lift weights, whatever it is, right? Eat this certain diet. Great. It has no impact on my life unless I actually do it. What have you prayed for recently? Out loud with other people in the room, that's impossible. Ask yourself, how much are you pushing your faith? Where's your sense of adventure with God? Right? Because I I, kind of, you know, if you're like me, I can have a tendency to get into just a remote, you know, routine. It's the same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, right? And, and, and not really stop and realize the joy and the opportunity that each day might bring. Sixth, insecurity exposes security in the wrong things. If you're insecure about something, then the reality is you probably have your security in something that isn't correctly aligned. Seven, it was God's intention that we carry the glory of the Lord, right? Romans 3.23, you know, all of sin had come short of the glory of God. So if, you know, if you were the archer, you're at the target, it came short. But the goal, the target was to actually walk in the glory of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about we are moving from glory to glory, right? 
through the Holy Spirit. So if that's the case, then you are created, you are housed, you are made to carry the glory of the Lord. What I saw in my life was that the glory of the Lord could only be on me to the extent that my foundation of maturity was strong. You know, Paul imparted things to Timothy, right? He imparted gifts to him. He said, stir up the gift that's in you, that I laid my hands on you, right? Super. You can't impart maturity. Maturity comes from choosing the right decisions day after day after day after day after day, right? That I choose to love. I choose to forgive. I choose to pray. I choose to seek the Lord each day. I choose to worship him. I choose... Those decisions day by day by day are actually what builds the foundation upon which the glory of the Lord can rest. Because if the glory of the Lord comes on you and you don't have the character to handle it, you'll crumble. So, we are intended for his glory. Eight, delaying all of God's miracles until heaven is the church stealing from this world the opportunity to see and meet God. So, it's very easy for us to build a theology that's all based on after I'm dead, all these things are going to happen, which is awesome. But from here to there, I just try to survive, man. I just, you know, how do we, but, but in reality, if Jesus said, greater works will you do because I go to the Father, because he walked it out as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, then what should my life look like? Should I pray for Supernatural things to happen. A good friend of mine, about six months ago, uh, he's walking down the street, his neighborhood, and he, had, he kind of prayed while he walked around his neighborhood, and it was kind of this thing. Great. And as he turned to block, a couple, you know, was coming toward him. Great. And he, you could tell the couple was a little older, probably mid, mid-late 60s. And um, as, as they got within range, he could see better. He noticed the man... His left eye was bulged out, and you could not actually see any eyeball. It was like a big thing of skin. And pretty gross, honestly. And he's like, wow. He's never met this couple. So, uh, but he stopped, and he just stopped and said, hey, I'm, you know, this is my name. I'm over here, you know, where I live. And so when they started talking to him, he realized they were immigrants. They're actually from Russia. And... Uh, and he said, oh, that's great. He said, I, I can't help but notice. Tell me what's happening with your eye. Oh, I've, I've got cancer. I've cancer in an orbital lens. And, you know, prognosis is not good. You know, I'm told that basically they're just trying to, you know, take as much time as they can to try to kill as much cancer as possible, and they'll probably take my eyeball out. And he's like, wow, wow. So you know what? I serve Jesus. I love Jesus. I don't know where you're at with him, but can I pray for you? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> so he prays for them two minutes God I pray you touch this person cancer be gone in Jesus name awesome keeps going see you later have a good day six eight weeks later you know he's walking neighborhood again sees him again comes up looks the same hmm says hey how, how are you tell me what's going on well yep 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 nothing's changed nothing's changed okay he said can I pray for you again sure so, praise for him again. Same thing. 
60, 90 seconds, whatever. See you later, bye. Right? A couple months goes by. Sees them again in the neighborhood. And as he, he sees them from, I don't know, 100 yards away, all of a sudden the woman, as she's coming, starts doing this. And he's like, oh, no, you know, maybe, whatever. And as they, she gets about 25 yards from him, she raises her hands. And his eye is completely normal, and he can see. And they said, it was your prayer. Your prayer. That wasn't in Uganda or South Africa or China. That was in Brentwood. God today wants to use you to bring his kingdom into your life and into those engagements you have, right? All right. Seven. It was God's intention. I'm sorry, not seven. Lose my place. Nine. <laughs> Satan seeks to convince people that you must earn what you already have. Stop and think about it, right? So when the serpent came to Eve in the garden, right, you'll be like God. You ever thought about the fact that they were already created in the image of God? So Satan usually wants to tempt you. You've got to go create something you already have. It's that deception in the church especially that causes people to feel so frustrated, right? Because they feel, I have to earn this. I've got, no, it's, it's, it's about me. Number 10, we experience guilt and shame in the same measure or proportion that we overemphasize our role in our conversion. So, as you think about where you are in your walk with Jesus, guilt and shame is not something that God puts on you. He'll, put, he'll bring correction. Yes, I've had that, right? By the way, you've ever noticed this in the scriptures? Growth in anything in this world, right? Plant, whatever. Growth in this world always creates pruning. So if you're going to actually bear more fruit, you're growing in the Lord, that's awesome, right? There are times of pruning, and the pruning isn't always intended that it's because you did something wrong. That pruning is that you bear more fruit for him. Number 11. The effectiveness of our prayers is dramatically impacted based on our level of consistent thankfulness. In Thessalonians, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. I submit to you that as you give thanks consistently for things in your life, good and not so good, as you give thanks to the Father, you will break off a spirit of entitlement, you'll break off a spirit of of depression. Now, I understand, right? I'm legitimate to understand there are people that have chemical challenges physically. I I get all that. But I submit to you that in the spirit, God can influence everything that's physical. And if we really believe that, right? I was thinking about this life. You know, those of you who are mothers, right? When, When that baby is born, that first breath, the first breath of life, that is God, right? 
And so you see that breath of life. That is the same breath that he wants to infuse through you, right? The breath and the, the wind of the Holy Spirit, he seeks to have dominance in your life. Number 12, the greatest miracle in life is to live continuously in his presence. The result is love on display. Love for God and love for your neighbor. So, in walking this out in life, as as we try to stay in connection with him, when you turn your affection toward the Lord, right? When you're having an argument, you're having a bad day, something goes wrong, right? You have a problem in your life. When you turn your affection toward him, everything changes. Um, There's something I was challenged with. I want to read to you. The creation of humankind was, in a sense, the beginning of a romance. We were created in God's image for intimacy, that our dominion over the earth might be expressed through loving relationship with God. It is from this revelation of dominion through love that we are to learn to walk as his ambassadors, thus defeating the prince of this world. The stage was set for all of the powers of darkness to fall as Adam and Eve exercised their godly influence over creation, but instead they fell. Jesus became a man so that he could legally enter the human race and break the contaminating power of sin that kept us from enjoying the place of intimacy with the Father. He removed this impurity, making us fit to be inhabited by his holy presence. Our commission as those indwelt by the presence is to advance the rule of his kingdom throughout the earth. This happens very uniquely just as the disciples were confused about how the kingdom would be expressed, so many believers today have conflicting views about what an advancing kingdom should look like. We express our authority in Christ by loving and serving those created in his image. This love can take on a number of different demonstrations. We meet practical needs, such as feeding the hungry, providing shelter to the homeless, caring for the orphans. These are beautiful expressions of the kingdom. But there is more. We also carry the love of this kingdom by seeing disease healed, torment lifted, bondage broken, and the captives captives set free. Authority and power have been restored to us for a glorious purpose, to show the world how good and loving the Father truly is. So it really is as good as you want it to be in your life. You will grow as much as you allow him to influence you. So I'd like to do this. We're going to pray. And I would like for anyone, if you need a supernatural miracle in your life, if you need a physical healing, a financial need, a relational issue, whatever it might be, but you need God right now. You feel it pulsing through your life. You need God to show up and do something miraculous that is not easily explained. I would like you to stand up. All right, so everyone else, this is your opportunity to allow the kingdom of God come through you and to bless your brothers and sisters. So I'd like for whoever's around, 
please come and put your hand, please pray for these folks, right? And we're going to pray, we're going to ask God to do a supernatural miracle in your life. We're going to ask God to touch you. So the guys are going to play in the background here. And I invite you, you pray, you pray, allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. You pray for them. Go ahead, please, go ahead.